Well, good morning. I am so happy to be here, and I am happy to see all of you here this morning. We're in uh, the final week of our resolution series, uh, so this is, we have like three more days to make resolutions before we're officially beyond the beginning of the year. So any final resolutions for 2023, you got three days left to throw those into the ring. And what we've been talking about over the past couple of weeks, uh, I've been offering three resolutions based on the vision of Awaken. Here's our vision that we've been talking about over the past couple of weeks, creating followers of Jesus. Two weeks ago, we talked about how we welcome others into God's love. Last week, we talked about creating communities of belonging. And this week, I want to talk about loving our neighbors. The third component of who we are and what we are doing here as a community. And I've titled this sermon, Be a Blessing to the World. Be a Blessing to the World. Clean and simple. Yet it gets pretty messy. <laughs> now there's a verse for me that has served as a foundation for my own life, uh, for my spirituality, and for us here at Awaken from the very, very beginning. If you've been with us for any period of time, you have probably heard me preach on this verse, talk about this verse. I did a whole series on uh, just these four verses couple of years back, probably like the first year uh, when we were back in the DAE. Uh, so it's, it's going back a while. And it is Genesis chapter 12, the story of Abram. Here's the story. In the very early stages of the Bible, the Lord had said to Abram, this is even before, maybe you know him as Abraham. This is even before he becomes known as Abraham, his name formerly known as Abram. And so the Lord said to Abram, go from your country, your people, and your father's household to the land I will show you. I will make you into a great nation, and I will bless you. I will make your name great, and you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and whoever curses you, I will curse. And all peoples on earth will be blessed through you. From the very, very, very beginning of the Bible, this is what God has been up to. It's what God has been up to, I would argue, from the beginning of time, from the beginning of humanity, and I believe this is still what God is up to in the world. God is looking to form a people, a community, who would bless the entire world through their lives. When we talk about the church, what God desires to do through the church through this particular group of people, but then the church at large as well, is God desires to use you individually, us collectively, to bless the entire world, to show love to every single person. So what are we doing here? When we talk about Awaken, why we exist, when I think about why I started Awaken, is because I wanted us to be aware of that which we have been blessed with in life. I think this is really, really important. I think that's why gratitude is really important for us. What have we been given? What have we been blessed with? The gift of life itself, or are we aware of our breath as a gift? From the beginning of the story, God has been gathering a group of people who would be aware of their blessings 
so they could then freely give of those blessings to the rest of the world so that every single person finds themselves loved, blessed, accepted, so that every single person can experience grace. So when we talk about the Bible, the way I see the Bible is the Bible is a story of how that truth that we just looked at, how, how that truth has developed. And if you know anything about the Bible and about this people group that God was forming through Abram and his family, uh, which became known as Israel, you know, sometimes they're doing all right. Sometimes they're riding the wave. Sometimes they can get up on the board and they can ride that wave for a little while. But then more often than not, there's a big chunk of the Bible that's devoted to them basically falling off the board, losing the wave, losing their way. I mean, does this not happen in life? There's times when it seems like we are just, we have a purpose, we have a direction, we're just killing the game. But then there's other times when we're lost in the woods. We find ourselves upside down, our lives get turned upside down, we find ourselves lost, we don't know which direction to be walking in. And so the Bible is this constant reorientation back to the beginning, back to that purpose of you've been blessed so that you can now go and bless others. Your life is a gift. How often do we forget that truth? The Bible is God constantly reminding his people, the Israelites, all the people uh, that are following God, that are part of this community, hey, your life's a gift, and you are to exist so that others would experience love through your life. When we talk about our vision, creating followers of Jesus, why the church exists, why we're here, well, it's so that we can figure out, so that we can be aware of how we can offer ourselves to the world, collectively and individually. Here's two ways to say it. You have been blessed, so you can be a blessing. Uh, here's two bumper sticker slogans for you, two uh, social media slogans for you. You have been blessed, so that you can be a blessing. Put this one up on on a mirror this week, put this up uh, on the dashboard of your car, put it by uh, where you get your cereal, your breakfast in the morning, so you remind yourself upon waking, you have been blessed so you can be a blessing. Or, another way to say it, you have received so you can give. Contrary to popular belief, life is not all about you. Sorry if I'm upsetting any of our ideas this morning. Life is not all about you. Uh, what's one of the most popular books? It might still be the most popular book that has ever been published. Have you ever heard of a little book called The Purpose Driven Life? How does that book start? It's not all about you. Yeah, life, it's not simply about us. It's about how can we give of that which we have received. Now, notice this question. Who is doing the blessing in the story of Abram? Who is making Abram and his people great? If you need a reminder, God is doing the blessing. So then what does our role become? Simply that of loving, of blessing other people. We can't control how our love is received. We can't control what others will do with that which we give. Billy Graham has famously said this. It's the Holy Spirit's job to convict. It's God's job to judge. 
I think the world would be a much better place if the church would learn that our role is not to judge other people. <laughs> I think the church would have a much better uh, witness. I think people look at the church a whole lot differently if we were to realize it's not our job to judge others. But right here, as Billy Graham is saying, what's our job? It's to love. It's to be a blessing. And then we entrust that gift of our love to the Spirit. Now, as the story of the Bible continues, we come upon a dark period in Israelite history, a period known as the exile. And here is, for me, this is Bible misreading 101, uh, this verse right here. Uh, (laughs) This verse bothers me to no end because I see it as a bumper sticker all the time. People quote this verse all the time. But we fail to recognize the larger story in which this verse takes place. Here we find ourselves in Jeremiah chapter 29. Israelites have been carried to Babylon. They are in exile. There's a foreign superpower that has dragged them away from their homeland. Imagine if Canada were to come down to invade the U.S., would knock on your door, pull you out of your house, and then force you to relocate to Canada. How would you feel about this? Okay, some of us would be totally cool with it. We'd be on board. We're like, all right, sweet, we might actually get some snow this year. But the rest of us, you probably would be a bit upset. Your home is, it's a place of stability for you. And if you are now dragged out of your home, everything that is comfortable and familiar, and now you're forced to relocate and to rebuild your life, there probably would be some resentment, would there not? Some bitterness, some anger. And here's what Jeremiah says to all the exiles living in Babylon. And this is the word of the Lord that came to Jeremiah. It says, For all those I carried into exile from Jerusalem to Babylon. And this was was quite a distance. It's not like you could go home on the weekends. right? We're not talking about Tyler being able to come back up on a Sunday morning to come hang out with us. We're, We're talking, I mean, this would be a journey of weeks. And you didn't have a horse. You didn't have a car. There were no planes back then. There were no trains. You were walking this with all of your possessions on your back. So you couldn't just go home and visit the family for a long weekend. So here's the message. Build houses and settle down. Plant gardens and eat what they produce. Marry and have sons and daughters. Find wives for your sons and give your daughters in marriage so that they too may have sons and daughters. Increase in number there. Do not decrease. Also, seek the peace and prosperity of the city to which I have carried you into exile. If you were carried away somewhere, would you want to seek the peace and prosperity of the people that dragged you out of your home? Yet this is the message. Seek the peace, the prosperity of all those who you deem to be enemies, people against you. Because, the reason, I pray to the Lord for it, because if Babylon, if this city prospers, then you too will prosper. And here is this infamous verse maybe you've heard before. Uh, Well, when 70 years are complete, in other words, you'll be there for a very, very long time. Uh, I'll fulfill my good promise to bring you back to this place, for I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you a hope and a future. How many of you have heard this verse before? How many of you have seen this decal? Maybe a bumper sticker on the back of a car? How many of you have heard this verse quoted And yes, Uh, well, first off, the Hebrew of this translation or the English translation, it's not actually what it says. It's actually, I think good thoughts towards you. 
So I'm thinking good thoughts of peace and a future for you. That's what God's saying. So yes, God does desire to prosper us, to give us hope and joy and a future, but where does that prospering take place? In a foreign land, away from all that which you love and know. This verse, what's happened, we have individualized this promise, which is what we do with the Bible all the time. We make it about us and what we are going to get from God. God becomes this Santa Claus figure. We pray for the things that we want, the things that will make us happy, the things that we think will bring us peace and and prosperity. And the message that is given to these exiles is, I know you want to go home, but the truth is, it's going to be at least 70 years before you go home. So think about how many of you probably have 70 more years left in your life. Maybe a few of us, but for the majority of us, although I'm planning to live to 120, so hopefully I have uh, 70. Biohacking, baby. Right, any other biohackers out there? I just read an article this week. Oh, I'm going to go on a tangent. I know Steph laughs at me all the time. Nobody raised their hand. That's all right. It's all right. I'm going to outlive all of you. There's a 45-year-old. I read this article. He spends $2 million a year biohacking his body because he, he's 45 and he wants to reverse his body to as if he were 18 years old. And the science is actually showing that he's able to do it. Now, I don't have $2 million to spend, uh, nor do I think, I think that's in direct uh, opposition to this verse that we're reading, so I don't plan <laughs> to do that. It's not about you. Meanwhile, I'm spending $2 million. Man, how's that for an expose, right? Local pastor. <laughs> uh, where was I? <laughs> Yeah, biohacking. Oh, I got to reverse it even beyond that. 70 years. Yeah, we're not going to live 70 years. And here's the story, though. Here's the message. Build homes. Settle down. In other words, the, the plan that you had for your life, it's changing. And that's what happens so often. We, we have a hope for how things are going to work out. But life doesn't always the work, out, work out the way in which we expect it to work out. And God's saying, y- y- your plans... They're going to need to change. But that doesn't mean that you won't experience peace, prosperity, joy, and hope, even when things don't go the way in which you expected them to go. Build homes. Settle down. Marry. Be a part of this community. Now, there's a book called The New Parish, and they modernize this verse, I believe, for us. And here's how they talk about Jeremiah 29, 11. Here's what it means for us in our lives. You and all your neighbors desire clean air to breathe, good schools for your children, livable vocations that serve the common good, justice for all, a voice in how things are governed, and so on. You and all your neighbors want to learn and be wise, have the opportunity to grow and be healthy, physically, emotionally, spiritually, relationally. The gospel bids us to seek the flourishing of life for all. Isn't this what we all desire from life? Good schools for our children, to have our voices heard, to be a part of a community of people. It's not true just for us sitting here at church. This is true for all of your neighbors as well. Pray for the city. 
pray for the people around you because if it prospers, if there's clean air, well, it's going to be beneficial for you as well. I love that final verse or word uh, sentence. The gospel bids us to seek the flourishing of life for all. Church, it's not solely for itself. Church does not exist just for us sitting here this morning. It's not just for its members at the exclusion of other people. But church, and I love this idea, it's where we are taught to love or worship something other than money or ourselves. And where else are you going to be taught that in the world today? Life often becomes about us, what brings us joy, happiness. But church teaches us that there's something beyond ourselves. Genesis, Jeremiah, the example of Jesus, it's all about being aware of what we have received, of the gifts that we have been given, and then giving them back, offering them back in love to those around us. This is what church is to teach us. It's how church is to form us as people, that we would give from that which we have received. Here's our resolution for the week, final resolution for the year. Be a blessing to the world. I would offer one final resolution for us as we begin 2023. In this year, this upcoming year, you only have 11 months left to do this. Be a blessing to the world. May you give back from that which you have received. May you grow in your awareness of that which you have received so then you can offer that back to the world in service and love. What does this look like for us? Let's talk about it collectively and then individually. First, collectively, here at Awaken. From the very, very beginning, there was a question uh, which haunted me when I started Awaken. It's the question, would anyone care if the church closed its doors? I love this question. Would anyone beyond its members? So let's say Awaken were to cease to exist tomorrow. Would anyone outside of this room care? Would anyone outside of our community care? Well, I wanted others to care, and I know we worked really hard in the beginning to find organizations that we could partner with, where we could say, hey, we're here. We don't want church just to be all about us. It's not just simply about us and our relationship with God. It's about how we are getting involved in the community, how we are showing love to those around us. So we have partnered with, from the very beginning, The Coachman, Family Homeless Shelter in White Plains. We have been working with them now for was it like 10 years? I think, I mean, this that was one of the first relationships that we formed. And we still, every year, we don't visit there on a regular basis anymore. But when we had our uh, Stuff a Shirt project a couple of months ago, we dropped off just shy of 200 bundles of t-shirts and toiletries. And every year, they are so thankful. Hey, thanks for remembering us. Thanks for giving back to us. They appreciate 
the love, the tangible expression of love that we offer to them every year when we do a stuff a shirt, in the years in the past when we have uh, gone and done art projects with the kids and we brought pumpkins and painted pumpkins with the kids. Remember that? You guys, some of you still remember that. We showed up with like 30 pumpkins and ice cream. Do you remember the ice cream sundaes? I mean, Steph's dad was just like <laughs> dumping chocolate syrup and ice cream. The kids loved it. I don't know if the staff or the parents loved it as much. Uh, but from the very beginning, we said, hey, are, are there organizations around that we can partner with, that we can show our love so that they would care if we no longer were visiting them, if we were no longer a part of their lives? Uh, we partner with Habitat for Humanity, a Sharing Shelf, Harlem Grown, Linking Handlebars. We did a Walk for Water, uh, supporting Charity Water, an organization that brings clean water to people around the world. From the very, very beginning, I did not want Awaken to be simply about us and what we do here on a Sunday morning. I have always wanted it to be about how we are giving back from what we have received, how we are sharing in a tangible expression the love of God that we ourselves have experienced. And there's a story for me that beautifully illustrates why we do what we do. A couple of years ago, uh, we were doing, before we did Stuff a Shirt, we did sock bundles. How many of you remember sock bundles? <laughs> we would get clean socks, and then we would stuff those with toiletries, and then donate those to local homeless shelters. We did a, a sock bundle event, and probably about four or five months after this event, and I mean, when we were doing socks, I think we were doing like four or 500 socks. We had boxes and boxes of socks. About four months after we had dropped them off at um, some local shelters, someone who, who comes out to Awaken, he came up to me afterwards, and he said, hey, I have a story to tell you. Now, he worked down in, uh, down in Manhattan, so he would take the train every single day. He said one day, when he was heading back to the train to come back up here to Westchester, he noticed there was a homeless man that was sitting right on the side, right, right on one of the walls in Grand Central Station. He said normally he doesn't pay attention to what's going on or he'll see homeless people sitting against the wall and he just looks and they're kind of wearing, sometimes they're not wearing any shoes at all. They had these grungy socks on. He said he stopped because he noticed that this particular person had bright, white, clean socks. And he said, I get it. I know why we do these sock bundles now. He said, normally, everyone who's sitting along that wall there, they have these socks with holes in them. They're dirty. They haven't been washed for days, weeks, who knows how long, if they've ever been washed. He said, but as I was walking by this person, I noticed they had these bright, white, clean socks. And it was as if they were now infused with some sense of dignity. Now, chances are those weren't the socks that we had donated, but someone else might have donated those socks. And he thought, when he saw this person, he thought about all the people that would have received the socks that we had donated. And he said, I get it. I see why we're doing this now. So that people who don't have access to the things that, I mean, clean socks, do we not take this for granted? You probably didn't pull a pair of dirty socks out of your hamper this morning. You, you went into a dresser, you got a pair of clean socks, and you didn't think twice about it. That's not the reality for every person 
in this world, even here in Westchester. And he said, I get it. We're doing it because I, I, I have so much. And if I can just give back a little piece of what I've received, well, we're blessing others in that way. I mean, that's a beautiful picture for me of why we do what we do, because there's others who are not as fortunate as we are. And we're, we're church, we're a group of people who follow Jesus, and we believe that we are to give of ourselves in love to those around us. So this will always be at the center of who we are at Awaken. Blessing others through our lives, through this community. And then let's talk about it individually as well. Here's a practice I would offer for you uh, for this upcoming week or the upcoming month. It's from the same book, uh, The New Parish. Go for a walk around your neighborhood with the knowledge that God's Holy Spirit is with you. Invite God to help you see where you live, to see the people who have already been placed next to you. You need these people, and they need you. The other night, uh, I locked my keys in my car, and I was trying to break into my own car in my, uh, in my garage. I called my neighbor, and I said, hey, uh, do you have like a really thin coat hanger or a pry bar or something? I know how to break in, but I just don't have all the right tools. And he's like, oh, hey, I'll be right over. It's like 8 o'clock on a Friday night. He comes running over in his Jeep. I need him. I needed his help. We still didn't break into the car, but that's another story. But there he was. Uh, a couple times uh, he's had an appointment with uh, one of his kids, and he said, hey, I can't make it on time. Can you uh, pick up my daughter at the bus stop for a little bit and just watch her for a bit? He needed me. I mean, this is how we're meant to live with our neighbors. You need your neighbors. They need you. There'll be times that you'll need help. There'll be times that they need help. Your real relationships in your neighborhood are the crucible for mutual flourishing. Remember, pray for Babylon. Pray for the city. If it prospers, you will prosper. How many of you spend time praying for your city, for your town, for your community, for your neighbors? How much time is spent seeking the mutual flourishing of the neighborhoods and communities that we live in? Not just our flourishing, but the flourishing of all those around us. Clean air, good schools, a place where everyone's voice is heard. It's in the everyday stuff of life that love moves from the realm of spiritual ideas. That's what we do here in church. We talk about spiritual ideas. We talk about things which is great that we have the time to do that, but if things, if ideas aren't transformed into real action, they don't mean anything. It's not about keeping ideas about God or memorizing scripture verses or bumper stickers about Jeremiah 29 11 on the back of our car. It's about how is all that being transformed into real life? How is that becoming reality in the life that you live? And it becomes a costly gift, giving back more than it takes. It's in the quotidian that forgiveness, repentance, or forgiveness and repentance cease being merely theological categories and instead become the currency of rooted relationships. The same is true of mercy, hospitality, kindness, service, and the like. Your, and here, I, I love this final sentence, your Christ-like transformation 
We're creating followers of Jesus. How do we, co- how do we become more like Jesus in our lives? Your Christ-like transformation is linked to the people in the place where you are. It's by being with people that you learn the way of love. It's by being in community that you learn how to forgive, how to extend grace. How many of you have heard of uh, a playborhood before? (laughs) I didn't think so came across this idea a couple months ago. Uh, Playborhood is this idea of turning your neighborhood into a place to play. And I I have to read this for you because I think this is absolutely brilliant. And I think a playborhood is what we read about in, in that book, The New Parish, when we're seeking the mutual flourishing of all of our neighbors. So there's someone named Mike Lanza. He's the founder of an online organization called Playborhood. And he's built a neighborhood playground in his front yard. Now, he provides a lot of uh, practical advice on his na- uh, in his book, on his website. The Lanza's front yard playground includes a sandbox, a nicely paved driveway with basketball hoop, an attractive fountain at toddler level to splash in, a picnic table with storage benches filled with toys, and drawing and electronic equipment, a whiteboard on a fence for artistic creations, and more. Mike and his family, which now includes three young boys, regularly eat meals at their front yard picnic table as a way of attracting and meeting neighbors. And in various other ways, they have let the kids and parents in the neighborhood know they are welcome to play or lounge in their yard anytime they wish, whether or not any of them are there. In essence, they have put up a please trespass sign. So according to Mike, this venture is far from a sacrifice on their part. Getting to know the neighbors and seeing kids having fun in their yard has added to the richness of their lives and given their children a constant supply of playmates. Mike deliberately designed the playground to be attractive to kids of all ages. He also built more play opportunities into the backyard, including an in-ground trampoline and a treehouse. These two are open to the community, but it is the front yard playground and the Lanza's frequent presence there that initially draws neighbors to their house and leads them to feel comfortable playing there. I found a couple of pictures. Imagine that. When we read about seek the flourishing of those in your community, I read about a playborhood and I'm like, they totally know how to do this. They created a space in their front yard, and here's another playborhood. I mean, look at that. Eating out there uh, on their picnic tables in the front yard, saying, hey, why don't you just come and, and visit? Let's hang out for a while. Let the kids play on all these different Activities and jungle gyms and trampolines and arts and crafts. When I read about a playborhood, I'm like, man, th- this, this, this is how life is intended to be. Spending time with others. Saying, hey, rather than keep off my yard, keep off my grass, hey, why don't you come and be a part? Let's share a meal together. Let's talk. Let's share life together. Now, maybe a playborhood is not practical for you. I get it. But there's other ways that we can do this, that we can uh, express love, that we can form community with our neighbors. The way I see it when we talk about being a blessing, it's about living in the way of Jesus, this way of Eucharist living. We get to the end of Jesus' life. He's on the cross. He's pouring his life out in love for others.
the book of Hebrews tells us, Jesus went to the cross for joy. It wasn't an obligation, giving his life. It was a joy. Because as Jesus gave of his life, as he gave of himself for us, for salvation, for grace, for God's love to be seen and experienced, it was all an act of joy. This is my prayer for us this year, our resolution to be a blessing for the world. I love that. When Mike Lanza talks about the playborhood, it sounds like a sacrifice, but he says, you know, we get even more from it than what we give because our kids get to spend time playing with other kids. That's often how giving works. In the beginning, we think it's going to cost so much of ourselves, but then as we're involved, as we see the joy, the smiles on people's faces, as we see the clean socks when we're walking through Grand Central Station, there's this, huh, yeah, that's, that's why we give. And it doesn't become a burden, but like Jesus going to the cross and pouring himself out, it becomes a joy as we realize that we can bring blessing and love to others in our community and in our world. So this year, our final resolution, may you resolve to bless others through your life. May you find a way to share grace and love in a tangible way with all those around you.